You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treder and Lindsay Adams Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm American Girl dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Today we are joined by Shannon Kelly. Shannon grew up in Racine, Wisconsin, the jewel of the Midwest, and was captivated by the world of AG and Fitty Baby from a young age. Shannon achieved a huge AG milestone at an early age when she visited the Chicago American Girl Place and received her first doll, whom she bore a striking resemblance to. Hint, they both had glasses. From then on, she remained an AG devotee through reading the historical books and poring over the AG catalog. Today, Shannon's love of reading has translated into a successful career in the literary world, and she is currently an editor at Hachette in New York. Welcome to the podcast, Shannon. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. What an introduction. It's good to be here, guys. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here and to chat about all things AG. So excited, Shannon. I hope you appreciated um, me calling Wisconsin the jewel of the Midwest. And that I did. Is that something that has been said about it? Or did you come up with that all on your own? No, I felt that it was important to distinguish, though, because I was thinking as I was like putting together that intro that Kirsten, a famous Midwestern American girl, I believe is based out of Minnesota. Not the jewel. Not the jewel. (laughs) That's not the jewel of the Midwest in my mind. So I just didn't want there to be any question that it was Racine, Wisconsin. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Also, I'm so sorry for saying not the jewel. To anyone in Minnesota, I'm sure it's lovely. If it was good enough for Kirsten, it's it's perfect. I know a lot of people from Minnesota, and I think that they would not be offended, and they would be like, oh my gosh, don't say sorry, it's okay. <laughs> I feel like maybe Minnesota can be the pearl of the Midwest, if not the jewel Ooh, of the Midwest. <laughs> I really like that. I, I kind of had forgotten until I was refreshing my memory in anticipation of this of this conversation uh, that Molly herself was an Illinois queen. Uh, oh. And Racine is quite close to the Illinois border. So I, I feel I feel a closeness with her. Yeah, kindred spirit. That's a good reminder. I had kind of forgotten about that too. Um, Well, I guess, Shan, we can get right into these questions. So why don't you uh, start by telling us what your earliest memory with American Girl was? How old were you when you got into the world of American Girl? Um, How were you introduced and how did you stay interested? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to remind myself because I know I got my bitty baby first and I feel like I was pretty young, like maybe only something like four or five. And I don't have any kind of memory of asking for this doll. I think my mom just sort of learned of them and got it in her head that this would be a nice thing. And I don't know if she got me the bitty baby rather than the girl because like I myself was too young. I didn't yet understand these, these nine and 10 year olds with their advanced 
you know, stories and backgrounds. I was closer to a baby in terms of my own life experience, <laughs> but I, I mean, I was very into my bitty baby, um, definitely carried it around, just kind of treated it like a normal baby doll. Um, I'm sure it was more expensive than a normal baby doll, but I'm not really sure how the bitty babies fit into the canon of American Girl because they don't have any kind of backstories of their own. They, they don't, don't have... have- no, they don't have <laughs> backstories, but they do have little stories. And I think uh, I want to let Lindsay talk about Biddy Bear a little bit because. Oh, I- yeah. <laughs> uh, Biddy Bear is the jewel of the the AG world for me. <laughs> Biddy Bear will still bring me to tears with how cute like everything in the collection is, including the Biddy Bear, which is this little uh, friend to the baby that goes everywhere with the doll they have stories they have matching outfits like everything about this is so pure and sweet and just really like warms my heart I also started off with a bitty baby um so it's very near to my heart as well yeah a bitty a bitty journey did your journey did your bitty baby have a a name Shannon so that baby's name, as far as I was concerned, was Biddy Baby. And I, <laughs> that's what I called her. And I don't even know if I gendered her, like if I would refer to her as her or if I would just be like, where's Biddy Baby? And now that you're saying this, the Biddy Bear is coming back to me. And I definitely had that. It's and so I, cute. I don't exactly know the sequence of events because I don't, I don't know that it, did it come with the baby? I think so. Okay, that must be it then. So I had the baby and I didn't have a ton of stuff for the baby in terms of like outfits or anything. I think she might have just been mostly rocking in whatever her like stitched flesh body situation was with her plastic (laughs) arms. Um, But I definitely, you know, got a little bit into the lore. My mom would buy me like, were there? Oh, yeah, there were little books about Biddy Bear, weren't there? There I, I had the little tiny Biddy Bear books. And then when I got a little older, uh, my dad's mom, my grandma, who lived in Chicago and had a very impressive cosmopolitan big city lifestyle. Say her uh, name. Grandma Dana. <laughs> a character Laura knows well in my life. Okay. <laughs> uh, grandma Dana had a very impressive apartment on Lakeshore Drive in Chicago, I think. And it had a lot of mirrors, like a whole wall of the apartment was mirrors. I remember finding that very impressive. And when Ooh. I was a kid, my parents would send me down there to uh, spend weekends with her, which we called Girls Weekend. <laughs> and I think I was probably, I'm trying to look at this photo to determine how old I would have been. I think I was probably five or six. Because uh, this was definitely taken on the, the weekend of my first, my first big trip. And my grandma had planned it all out and took me to the American Girl place. And I don't really remember how the decision-making process went, but I'm assuming I saw molly and was like well that's me and uh you know as a as a white child with dark brown hair and light eyes and little wire glasses and a 1940s sensibility about her (laughs) i was like i gotta get me one of those you went with grandma dana when you were five or six is that also closer to the time when you got your molly doll like what were the circumstances of you getting molly yeah, yeah, that was the that was the visit when I I got her. And I think oh, I had maybe looked at the catalog ahead of time to kind of emotionally prepare and maybe I had sort of picked maybe I had picked her out in advance of going and then when I got there it was like, yes, this is the one. Um and my grandma was definitely 
she was a lady who liked to spend money on gifts for her little granddaughter. So she got me a lot of accoutrement at that first visit. Uh, and I definitely got a red coat and there was a matching red coat for the doll. I don't think this was like a Molly specific item. I think this was just from the general fashion line and it had a little, you know, buttons all the way down the front, little black buttons. And I dressed up in this matching outfit with my Molly doll and it was very, very special. And then it just kind of became a tradition on our, on our girls weekend trips that we would go. She would always get me stuff. And I think my mom was a little bit like, it needs to end somewhere. The house is being taken over with uh, crap for this doll. That Wait, so sorry. Sweet. Shannon, I just have to like, go back for a second. Yeah. You're telling me that you went to the American Girl store like yearly? Oh, yeah. Like probably every year from when I was five or six until I was like 10 or 11. What a dream. And you're getting like matching outfits with your doll, spending time with your grandma. That is such a great memory. It was really nice. I think the only, the only matching outfits I ever got were the red coat and then Molly's pajamas. She had the red and white pajama set with like the button up shirt. You had those? I I did. And and Molly did too. So we, we would match. Oh my God. That is so cute. I mean, obviously like I knew before when I was like, obviously talking to you about this, but I knew that you had gone to the store to get the doll, but I didn't realize that this was like a yearly like pilgrimage to the store. Oh yeah. And I remember I was very fascinated by a service that I never had to use, but they had the doll hospital function within the store where if your doll was messed up you could send it in and they would I guess you know rip it to pieces and replace it with other pieces but they you know (laughs) dressed it up in a lot of nice euphemisms about them visiting the doctor or whatever (laughs) oh yeah at the Chicago store did they have this on display like the hospital itself like were you able to see like the different like dolls coming through or is it behind closed doors I think they had an area for it and maybe maybe it was also or separately a salon. I definitely feel like yes. there was an area. They, you weren't seeing the nitty gritty. There wasn't like a window to the back where you could watch the dolls get dismembered. But <laughs> there, I, I distinctly remember seeing these areas where your doll could get judged up if it had problems. And I remember thinking that that would be really cool to do, even though my doll did not have any problems. And I would never have harmed Molly just for the sake of giving her to the doll hospital. But I was interested. I had a morbid curiosity in the process. Well, just knowing what I know about, like, you and the way that you were raised and your mom, I can't see Barb Kelly ever letting a thing happen to Molly. That oh, absolutely could not. be bad. <laughs> she was. She would have been like, do you know that that doll cost over $100? And you'd be like, no, because I'm a baby with glasses. I don't know. <laughs> so, Shannon, really quick, just for our listeners, uh, can you describe this iconic photo from this day that we keep referring to just because it's going to be on our Instagram page for everybody to see, but I, I would love for you to describe like what you look like in this photo, because I think it is really, really <laughs> important. If you described it, it would be, it would be mean. <laughs> no, I think it was so cute, but I want yeah. you to just describe it because it played a role kind of in the doll that you chose. Oh, absolutely. So I, I'm just looking at it now to remind myself, I was a very distinct looking child, I would say some people have described me as cute. And there were phases when I would agree with that. But then there were also phases where I think I looked very scary. And this was in one of those. Um, 
got my my dark brown hair in kind of a wrap around the head bowl cut with just the sharpest edge. Uh, my mom would definitely touch that up herself. So in that Molly had bangs, I, I could relate to her because I had bangs that went all the way around my head in a circle. Um, and then I had my little wire glasses, uh, which make my eyes alarmingly large. And I'm very gaunt and pale. And I've got my little holiday sweater with snowflakes. And I've got Molly in my lap and the American Girl doll store bag next to me. And I'm sitting on what is either the L train or possibly the Metra in Chicago. So this is a real, a real city slicker moment I was having. And I was like, everyone on this train knows I'm hot shit because I have this doll. Shannon, I feel like you're making it sound like there was any possibility that you weren't like the cutest child alive. <laughs> you were so cute, even though you had like a little bowl cut. It was so cute. <laughs> and my expression is haunted. I didn't like to smile in photos very much when I was a kid. And I don't know what was going on here, but I just I just feel like I'm looking through the camera. Like this is a photo that you would see of a child in a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone go to our Instagram at American Girl Women so you could check this out. That sounds so adorable. I don't think I've seen this specific picture, <laughs> oh, really? but I cannot wait. Oh wait, I have. That is truly amazing. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I definitely think you were one of the first people I sent that photo yeah, I to. I like <laughs> to imagine that someone listening to this would hear my description and say, "That sounds exaggerated," and then go and look at it and be like, "Oh no, that's right." Oh my god! Now, so, so adorable, Shannon. Uh, overall, like, because you mentioned that potentially you might have looked at the catalog before going to the store uh, to figure it out like to figure out which doll you wanted, but were you like feeling very strongly that you wanted a doll that looked like you, or did you just feel like a certain kinship with Molly? Cause like, I know for me personally, like my grandparents bought me Samantha cause I was binchy and I looked like Samantha as a little yeah. kid, but was that something that drew you to Molly or was there like another reason? Um, or maybe in addition to looking like Molly, you also liked something about her background. Oh, yeah. I think kind of everything about her uh, was more appealing to me than the other girls who were available at the time. Because this would have been in like 1997 or maybe 98. Um, So I'm not 100% sure which dolls were out at that time. But I know that, crucially, I know that Kit was not yet out. Because when Kit came out onto the scene, something changed within me. And I (laughs) never got her, but I wanted her forever. But no, at the time, I think that Molly was definitely the girl who was like the most of kind of a tomboy. Didn't she like play sports? And uh, the other girls, I, I was not a binchy child. And so I did not really relate to the vibe I was getting off Samantha. Um, and I think Kirsten was probably also available. And she had like a, you know, blonde thing about her that as a brunette hater of blondes, I, I couldn't relate to at the time. <laughs> I love a lot that. of mean popular girls in my school were blonde so I wasn't going to gravitate toward a Kirsten and I don't know who else do you guys know off the top of your heads who else would have been available in that first round um Josefina was kind of a first round it's like it's like debatable depending on when you got into American Girl because she wasn't part of the original group but she came like very shortly after and she was one of my first dolls but there was also Felicity who Lindsay had I had Felicity and then Addie as well I think those were the original five yeah 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I chose as a young girl not to engage with Josefina or Addie because I felt that there were elements of cultural appropriation. You know, I don't want to make any accusations, Laura, but <laughs> I just thought, you know, is that for me? That's not really my place. I mean, my, I, fair enough. My reasons behind getting Josefina were, uh, that she's lo- got a cute outfit. <laughs> yes. And also I was like, she's got beautiful gold earrings that I love <laughs> gold hoop earrings. Um, so I, I definitely think that American Girl was walking a little bit of a fine line with some of those, uh, cultural appropriations early on, but for me, it was all about the, the hoop earrings. Yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, it is, it's good that they were, you know, being at least somewhat representative or diverse in the lineup, but I think that, I, I think I was also interested in Molly, even though I know the whole point of this series was that it was historical, I think I was interested in her because she had a little bit more of a contemporary vibe. She was a little more of a modern gal. Um, yeah. Were you able to relate with your grandmother with this time period? Like, did she like share stories about World War II and what she was doing at that time? So Grandma Jenna is an iconically young grandma. So she, uh, <laughs> she, I think would have only been, I'm trying to think if she even would have been born in the forties. Oh, I don't young grandma so. indeed yeah she was young grandma vibes uh, I do remember that a standout feature of these visits to the American Girl store and just our kind of girls weekend trips to Chicago in general is that people were frequently confusing her with my mom uh, mm. and I think it's because they didn't want to um accident they didn't want to like refer to someone as my grandma and then have it turn out that they were my mom and you know have that be a faux pas so I think she was probably a little too old to conceivably be my mom, but they were just erring on the side of caution. Uh, but she was definitely a young, a young, stylish grandma. I bet uh, Grandma Dana loved that. Oh, absolutely. They were always like, and what does your mom here think? And she was like, oh, no, me? <laughs> that is incredible. What a confidence boost. Um, so tell us about Molly's best outfit that you had for her. So I had the, I mean, obviously there was her main outfit that she came in with the sweater and the skirt and the Mary Janes. And I remember that I always wanted shoes like hers for myself. Um, I'm sure they sold them through American Girl, but you know, my mom was about to pay for American Girl human shoes. Uh, (laughs) But I don't know if I ever actually got a pair, but I just really coveted those. And then other than that, I didn't tend to buy a lot of Molly's designated outfits that were supposed to be under the Molly umbrella, weirdly, I, I did buy a lot of the kind of modern clothes, like t-shirts and jeans and stuff like that. So Molly would still have her little beret and her old timey glasses and her hair bows, but then she'd be wearing like a tie dye t-shirt. Oh, that's interesting. When you were playing with her, were you in more like modern scenarios or did you keep her in like the 1940s, just like in modern dress? I think I tended to do more modern scenarios. I also didn't other than these dolls, I really wasn't much of a doll kid. I didn't play with very many dolls. And so I would have a lot of other random toys, um, like Pokemon figurines, et cetera, and just kind of have elaborate fictional scenarios where they were going on adventures with Molly. Oh my God. You're like the first person I feel like who we've encountered who, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like cross-pollinated their toys with American Girl. <laughs> oh yeah. I uh I had kind of the whole lineup of every random type of toy. And I shared a lot of toys with my brothers too. So I had a lot of like 
action figures as well. So that's Molly really interesting. Was an awkwardly tall companion for G.I. Joe. <laughs> I feel like it's been interesting talking to people about like the different ways they're like playing with their dolls and like the boundaries that they set. Like, you know, you uh cross-pollinating is such a great word <laughs> with <laughs> your AG. And then, you know, we had um one of our guests share that they went to Samantha's ice cream social event and brought Samantha along, but left the other dolls at home, like other American girl dolls. Oh my God. Um, Wait, this was where this was an event, like at the store. This was an event at, uh, an unauthorized, unofficial (laughs) potential location I think it was where did she say it was a school yeah um, or like, or like a, gymnasium. a library or something yeah like, a bootleg American girl meetup exactly yeah. like, there are a lot yes Shannon we're finding out that there's basically uh authorized and unauthorized American girl events where like in the, the 90s and early 2000s when like people were really trying to like ride the wave of the success of American Girl and we're having like these little themed events so like I went to an American Girl summer camp and like our other guest went to this American Girl ice cream social but some of them were definitely very like haphazardly related to American Girl they like slapped the American Girl name on it for like some publicity yeah that tracks this is all kind of ringing a weird bell with me where now I'm wondering, like, did I do something like this? It's all, I feel so distant from this time. I feel like your mom would have been all over something like that. I think that, like, everybody's mom, if this was available during the time, like, for example, when my mom saw, like, a historical American Girl summer camp, day camp, she was like, oh, I'm signing my daughter up for this. That's amazing. We only brought our dolls there one day the entire week I was there. So it was only tangentially related, but I'm sure it played a large role in getting people signed up for this camp. Wow, this is wild. I'm very, I guess it it was harder back then to kind of regulate, I suppose, because the internet was young. But yeah, like the amount of like different towns or organizations that are putting these events on it seems like there's no way that American Girl could actually like oversee all of these events at any given point I find it kind of wholesome because I'm trying to think of like if there's any other thing I was interested in during this time period that could have been translated into an event or like a camp or something like that yeah and I can't think of anything because like American Girl was like its whole own universe Mm -hmm. really so it lended itself very nicely to like I mean and it was like also very learning centric so it lended itself quite nicely to um things like that but there was recently, Shannon, I don't know if you follow Very Harry Hill on Instagram, but no. um, American Girl recently did a collaboration with Stony Clover Lane, that like bag company that makes like these monogrammed oh, yeah. like pouches and whatever. And um, this influencer, Very Harry Hill that I follow on Instagram, like basically like live Instagram storied the whole event and it was exactly what I would want like an adult American girl event to be like where there was like 
Well, the, wasn't there like DIY like ribbon creation, Lindsay? Oh my or goodness. Something like that. Yes. There was like the bow station that looked yeah. like heaven, like a customizable yeah. bow. They had like and cookies that were shaped like each girl's like silhouette. That's kind of amazing. I it looked yeah, incredible. I, I, I did uh, unfortunately attend as a perhaps middle schooler a Harry Potter day camp at the local library. Um, that was the only other thing I would say I was super deeply into the universe of at the time was Harry Potter. That's uh, cute. R.I.P. Do you think that was an authorized event? Oh, absolutely not. Now looking yeah. back, there is, <laughs> there is no way. They were definitely just yeah. on the color printer in the back, like whipping stuff up. Um, <laughs> But this is crazy. I was, you know, I, I was curious when you guys started talking about this and just quickly Googled the kind of creator of these dolls and the sort of background of the brand. And she, well, first of all, her name was Pleasant and yes. the company was the Pleasant Company, but she is a Madison, Wisconsin icon oh. where I attended college in my home state. And she built she donated some number of hundreds of millions of dollars along with her husband to build the overture center for the arts where i attended many cultural events and plays and concerts during my college years so oh my goodness this woman has never stopped giving to me wow (laughs) she just opened a spot in upstate new york that we all might need to venture over. i was gonna say we have to go Shannon, maybe for your bachelorette party, that's where we should go. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> oh my God. I, I don't know how I missed that little tidbit about Pleasant Rowland being from Madison, Wisconsin, because you're one of the few people, obviously, that I know that has a connection to Madison. And oh, I feel course. like I would have picked up on that, but that is amazing. Yeah. She's been there for... She she was born in the Chicago suburbs, um, as was my dad and his family. And including Grandma Dana. And then her husband is from a family that goes back many generations in Madison. And the two of them, it says, Roland and her husband, Jerome Frouchy, take that one in, are major philanthropists in Madison, Wisconsin. They have made substantial contributions to Madison. Wow. Full stop. I would love to have made substantial contributions to Madison. Great city. Now that I'm hearing that Pleasant Rowland grew up in, or Roland grew up in, um, in like the Midwest and was like probably born like in like the 30s or 40s. I wonder if like Molly is somewhat of a stand-in for her as part of the American Yeah, no girl. wonder Molly's the best one. Yeah, she was born <laughs> 1941 in Illinois. Mm. Interesting. Quite yeah, close a lot to of our connection girl. there. I, I felt like a, a real affinity with molly's experience growing up despite the fact that she was growing up during world war ii and i was growing up during the 1990s i was like i think we're going through a lot of the same things (laughs) i mean her problems as opposed to like there's definitely like a hierarchy of uh issues that these girls go through if you like read all the different books but like on a spectrum like a lot of molly's do fall into the more serious I mean, like, her dad does go away to war, but then, like, also a big problem for her is, like, will she will she be crowned Miss Victory in the Miss Victory pageant? <laughs> the one quality of Molly's that I was seeing them bring up again and again when I was kind of refreshing my memory about her in the last couple of days 
was that she was very patriotic. And I guess I understand why a young child would feel patriotic during World War II, but that's the one thing that doesn't really resonate with me to this day. <laughs> the rest of her qualities, such as being precocious and I believe the word was feisty, and it seemed to me a little bit of a know-it-all, uh, I definitely related to then and now. <laughs> I love that. All right. So Shannon, you had gone to the AG store in Chicago with your grandma Dana every year. Tell us about how the dolls in general brought you closer to the girls and women in your life, whether that's your friends, your family. I'd love to know the stories there. Yeah, I think my best friend in elementary school, whose name was Jenna, had either, I think she had Felicity. It was definitely either Felicity or Samantha, but I'm pretty sure it was Felicity. Um, And I just remember being much less interested in Felicity's whole deal because I was like, well, Molly lives in a world with electricity. So I feel like there's a clear winner here, but we, we would definitely um, have the dolls hang out. I don't know that I ever, I don't know. It was kind of just a thing where we were both like, you're interested in this thing. I'm also interested in this thing. And then it was just kind of an unspoken uh, commonality between us. But in terms of the women in my family, I think that especially on my dad's side of the family, there were no other girls around my age. I got, I have a lot of cousins who are all boys. And so my grandma and my step-grandma and my mom were all very excited to, to have a girl child to buy this stuff for, I think. And so every year I would definitely pick out items for the American girl catalog to put on my Christmas list. Um, this, uh, was a ritual my mom enforced every year for all of us and still does to this day, actually, because she was texting me about it this very week. But she was always like, I need very specific mandates on what what you're wanting for Christmas. You could never just say something from this section. You had to really pick out the item numbers. And so <laughs> I would sit there and with the catalog and my little pen and like circle the things that I wanted. And I feel like this is all making me sound like I received a ton of this stuff. I think I usually only got like one or two outfits or accessories on any given year, but it definitely felt like a very serious, uh, very serious assignment to go through and pick out exactly what those things should be. And then I know there were also items that I would have loved to have that my mom just like drew a line and she was like, I'm not paying $90 for a horse for a doll. I'm not getting the horse. I always wanted the horse. That is fair. Um, what other items did you covet that you like never got to have? Oh boy. I think it was a lot related to the horse, honestly. And then I, I did have coconut, the dog Same. Uh, and I loved coconut, but I think there were a lot of coconut accessories that were maybe, I don't know if it was matching outfits for the dog and the doll or what, but I think they were um, definitely smaller and less substantial, but equally expensive as some of the other items. And I think my mom was like, I don't understand why you need to pay $35 for a sweater for a dog for a doll. One thing I want to just quickly go back to about the horse because I want to see if any of you guys picked up on it but the horses proportionally were so off from the size of they were the much American too Girl small, dolls. Right? They were way too small. They were like they came up to like the shoulders of the American Girl dolls. So like the horse's head probably was like 16 and inches if the dolls are like 18 inches so wait was the doll from girl of today or was it historic like I do not recall it being a historic item but I could be totally wrong on that I think that the horse that they originally had was 
Felicity's horse that was like the yes. didn't she have like the whole riding outfit yeah but then they had a another more like neutral horse in the girl of today <laughs> yeah. area partisan horse. yeah that was uh transcended time evergreen horse um <laughs> with with like a more modern very aspirational riding outfit very like uh bougie like little boots and hat and whatnot so but like both horses and actually I think like I think I had a horse for my Kaya American Girl doll later on but all these horses were just so proportionally off compared to the size of the dolls yeah they were look it up I just they really were about the same height like the the girl's head and the horse's head are exactly the same height which is not which is not right it just does yeah. not look right. It yeah. doesn't look right. And the horse that is currently for sale on the American Girl website that you can purchase today is $75 American dollars. Oh my God. Well, one of the things that Lindsay and I have talked about at length with our guests is like the things we could do with adult money on that American Girl catalog. Like, oh yeah. The things that you could like buy with grown-up money and nobody could stop you (laughs) it's crazy I know there really there really was no limit to what they would make available I do know that I had Molly's birthday set I I think that one was maybe one that was given to me by a relative who did not know me very well because I don't know that I would have picked it but it was the full kind of setup of how to build a little birthday party for Molly with a cake and everything and I remember kind of being like what am I going to do with this cake did you have the furniture as well or just like the tabletop accessories? I don't think so. I think it was just this, the tabletop stuff. Oh my God. Where was she supposed to consume this food? I know. Not- our kitchen, our, our own house's table, it was not an appropriate size. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, Shannon, where is Molly and Bitty Baby? Because we don't want to forget about them. Where do they reside today? Are they still with us? Have they been given away? Have they been gifted to younger family members? Where are they currently? You know, it's a good question. I don't, I mean, I haven't thought about it in years, probably until we started talking about this podcast, but there's no way my mom would have gotten rid of it. So I have to imagine that they're all in a box together somewhere in my parents' basement. Uh, I should check when I go home for Christmas, I think, you know that would be a real trip down memory lane to kind of pick through that stuff. But I don't know. I, you know, there must've been that, that sad day when I got just a little too old and rearranged my bedroom or something and they all got stuffed in a box and (laughs) never to be seen again. Yeah. I wonder how she's holding up. I wonder if her eyes still creepily open and close when you tip her down. (laughs) Here's hoping. Yeah, definitely try to search for them when you're home. It's always like so fun to see like after, many years like stored away just like the state that you left them in what they look like now like yeah it's my felicity is still somewhere in my parents attic i haven't been able to find her but i found a lot of her clothes um so she can't be too far from where i was searching um but it's just like everything is like so intricately detailed it's really incredible to see like the craftsmanship and like it's so much more than like i like thought of at the time yeah they definitely weren't skipping on quality like the 
the quality was definitely there for the price for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look. I'll have to talk to my mom. I'm sure if I asked her, she would know immediately. Do you think, Shannon, that you'll like potentially save or like it sounds like Barb is going to save it no matter what. But do you think <laughs> yeah. that do you think that you would potentially uh pass those things on to like your son or daughter one day to play with if they like wanted to or to like keep the tradition going? Yeah, I think I would, you know. I don't see why not. Now I'm like is it really valuable on eBay or something? Should I sell her? But no, I think it would be a nice a nice thing to hand down. It's funny to kind of think if I were to have children in some number of years from now, would American Girl still be what it once was? And it kind of seems like yeah, it seems like they're still going strong. So who knows? Definitely. And they just they just like reissued all the like the five classic dolls that yeah I saw we something about, about the 35th anniversary which made me feel like I was ancient <laughs> yeah it seems like like kids these days are more interested in the girl of today or truly mm-hmm. me dolls now versus the historic dolls but I think though there will be a resurgence with that like everyone from our generation like having children sharing those books with them the you know stories behind the dolls their own dolls I think there will be some kind of like resurgence with the historical dolls especially after the reissue yeah I distinctly remember when they launched those I don't know what they were called at the time if it was truly me I've I had a memory of them being called like just like me but I don't know if they were ever called that or if that's just I think they were called girl of today it was girl of today and then I think they've changed names like three times over the past like 15 years it's on I think I read that on the Wikipedia page but it's like the same like girl of today truly me just like me eyes and hair mm-hmm. and whatnot that you that you want yeah maybe exactly. it was always just truly me I don't know why but I just remember the the year that that launched there was the big page in the catalog with all the different configurations and I remember being uh-huh. like picking out painstakingly which one looked the most like me and my mom being like Molly that's the one that looks the most like you. <laughs> <laughs> none of these none of these girls can hold a candle to the original <laughs> That is so funny. Were you really into the books as well? I read definitely Molly's books and I'm trying to remember if I ever read any of the other ones. And I think, I think I also did read Kit's books. So by the time Kit came out, I was, I think, eight years old, if this timing tracks. Uh, And so I felt pretty well established in what I had going. So I couldn't, I couldn't invite a new woman into my life at that point. I was very committed with Molly, but I remember seeing Kit when she was debuted and being kind of enchanted and blown away and just thinking, wow, now she's something else. I realize now that this was because I didn't realize it at the time, but I was queer. So I saw something in Kit that, that awakened a feeling in me, but. uh, Well, well, people have identified Kit as like definitely the bicon of the American girl assortment like oh absolutely, absolutely. that little blonde bob or a haircut kidding? her little her little freckles don't ask me to explain why the freckles are relevant but they were and then I've, I've since learned that they cast what's her name in the movie version of kit was it Anna Sophia Ro- no Abigail Breslin yes Abigail Breslin and I think that is criminal <laughs> They couldn't have more poorly chosen someone to match Kit's energy. I yeah. 
don't think we Lindsay and I watched a couple of the American Girl movies but not that one because it was like outside of the original five but we did watch the Samantha one which is Anna Sophia Robb which was I don't know what did you think of that casting Lindsay honestly it's not how Samantha was like pictured in my mind so yeah. it felt a little off but by the did end they of the have movie, her in a fine yes Unreal. She's definitely a brunette. We also watched Felicity's movie with Shailene Woodley. And it's amazing how like <gasps> all of these gals became like super famous after starring no in these American Not girl movies. Yeah. Anti-vax queen. That's unreal. Right? <laughs> Truly. Oh my what gosh. would Felicity yeah. think? I don't think I watched the movies ever. How old, how, what do we, what years roughly were these released? Uh, we were probably, they, they came out, I want to say like in the time span between like 2004 and 2006. So we were like oh, yeah. already I like I think 12. I was maybe a little too old and didn't see these at the time. We uh, hadn't yeah. either. We were watching them later in life. I think Felicity's was the first one that came out though. Uh, it seemed like it was the oldest. Wait, did uh, they make a Molly movie? Yes, yes, which we also watched. There is she? a Molly movie, and it's an all-star cast. I think who played Molly? I don't think anyone famous played Molly. No one but famous like, played Molly. Molly Ringwald, Molly, though, <laughs> played Molly the mother. Ringwald played her mother. Oh my! That God. was a, a, an amazing casting choice. That movie does not depict Molly well. She seemed like a huge brat, like the entirety of the movie, up until like the last bit. So if you're like really into molly it might change your person molly partisan yeah i'm I'm looking at a photo of this girl now this is you know hashtag not my molly i'm not watching this i don't i don't acknowledge this girl but i'm sure molly was an absolute brat and i'm sure that the qualities that i saw in her that resonated most with me and that reflected my own experience were the just the worst qualities of me but i i refuse to reassess any of that with a modern lens and i i'm only going to say that molly did nothing wrong fair enough i feel like molly apologized Truly. I feel like so many of the dolls were like that though. Like Felicity was right there with Molly and that was my girl. And so was Samantha. Oh, yeah. They all have their fatal flaws. Truly. Yeah. But no, so I definitely did it. I think I explored Kit's books alongside Molly's books, but I don't think I got too deep into the other ones. Okay. That's um, fair. Well, shall we, shall we ask our last question of the app? Mm-hmm. So Shannon, we'd love to ask this question to our guests and feel free to interpret this any way you like, but oh boy. What, last, <laughs> what lasting impression did American Girl leave on you? My lasting impression from this kind of whole world was that there is a lot of value and also a lot of potential in something that is aimed very squarely at young girls and is not in any way designed to appeal to anyone else. And that kind of takes those narratives very seriously and reframes, you know, important American history or what have you, but through the lens of kind of what is actually important to a kid and specifically a girl. And I think there was something really appealing and very enticing about the way that they would build out these whole kind of little universes around the girls and about all of the characters in their lives and, you know, just the ability to immerse yourself and have all of the accessories and be reading a book about you know, a dog and then be able to just buy that dog. And in some ways, you know, it kind of almost is a precursor to the maybe a negative element in culture now, which is that everything has to become so merchandised and you've got, you know, the Marvel 
cinematic universe with the Funko Pops and the cosplay and everything. And not that that's bad, but just that I think it really it really spoke in a kind of just on the cusp of the internet world to the fact that people were really interested in storytelling that let them get very lost in a world and imagine a whole universe and a whole kind of alternate reality that they could immerse themselves in all the different elements of. So I think it was, it was interesting to me then and is interesting to me now in hindsight to think about being given access to this kind of complete story that had all the elements sort of in place for you and being able to choose how to engage with that as much or as little as you wanted and choose to say, okay, well, in my version of Molly, she actually doesn't have a brother. Instead, she hangs out with Pikachu. And I think it was, it was a way to be given all of the tools to have something that was very fully formed, but still be kind of allowed to play with it in whatever way you wanted. Yeah. That's a really beautiful and insightful (laughs) response to it. And it's so true. It's kind of like your first like immersive experience with the entire world of American Girl and just kind of growing up with it in those formative years, influencing how you are in the future. It was an interesting kind of glimpse at what would become, you know, and now I am a very pop culture obsessive person, but, you know, it was it was kind of funny to be able to have this level of superiority where my brothers would be like, oh, what's that dog? And I'd be like, um, that's Bennett. He's Molly's dog. You, <laughs> you don't know about Molly and her whole family. Stuff's going on with her dad. Oh my God. Seriously. I feel like, well, I also feel like you touched on this, but it's like, you know, you're participating in an entire world, but like with the added benefit of this being like based in real historical events. So like there was like a learning aspect to it, but like it didn't really feel like you were, it didn't feel overly educational because the stories were really engaging Mm -hmm. and the portrayals of like girls that were slightly older or around the same age as we were when we were engaging with their storylines was just I think very unique and refreshing for like a girl's toy for our generation like how many other you know because it's just like a toy at the end of the day but like how many other things would like give you that sort of like 360 universe that was actually based in like a real life event um and also like a character that was like around your age that you could relate to at the same time because I was also really into the royal diaries, those books oh. that were like, <laughs> you know, Shit. Queen Elizabeth as a teen or whatever, <laughs> fictionalized. I actually don't know if my child brain understood that they were not real. And I was like, wow, they discovered Cleopatra's diary and they put it right here in a, in a paper overboard format with gold edges, which I now realize was probably a very expensive unit cost. But I think with those, I was lacking... Um, you know, all the accessories. You couldn't buy a royal you couldn't buy a royal diaries doll. So this was kind of a nice way to to experience to experience more. Definitely. Laura just introduced me to Royal Diaries. I had never heard about it. Like I didn't grow up with it. And I actually just bought Marie Antoinette's diary, which I'm very excited to read. Oh my but, gosh. Yeah, it's also kind of interesting. Like you have these historical books that make learning interesting and, you know, it it doesn't really talk down to children either. Like I've been rereading the series of, um, who have I read lately? Kirsten, Addie and Felicity. And like, they're speaking like at your level and, Mm -hmm. you know, sharing like pretty intense information in a lot of the books, like more than like my seven-year-old, like 
you know, brain probably comprehended at the time. Um, but they really bring it to your level. And it's interesting, like with the doll, like your like experience, like playing with it, like you kind of have this whole background story to it. Like, you know, Barbie doesn't have that backstory of like yeah. some kind of like historical, like major historical events that are taking place in her life. Yeah. Um, I mean, she might, but I never played with Barbies, but I, it always felt like, and I think it was true that Barbie was supposed to be an adult. She mm-hmm. was probably like, you know, 19 or something, but she, in addition to being like, you know, the dreaded blonde and also very thin and, and it, what have you, it felt like her life as an adult was very out of reach and not as interesting to me. And I think these girls mm-hmm. were more interesting because I felt like I could relate to them because they were children, even if they were children in a time period, quite unlike my own. Definitely. So let's get into our games. All right. I don't have high hopes for my performance. I'll just that, say that right up that, top. <laughs> that is totally fine. Now we're going to play a little game of word association to (laughs) test your memory on how well you remember the friends and family of our historic girls in the AG world. So Uh we're just doing the originals here. Felicity, Kirsten, Addie, Josefina, Samantha, and Molly. And I'm going to read names to you and you have a quick three seconds to match them with their historical dolls. Um, this will be totally rapid fire. And if you don't know the answer, that is totally <laughs> fine. Just say skip and we will move on to the next one. Okay. Gonna Absolutely. aim for something higher than zero. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna start it off with Gardner Edwards, Josefina, Annabelle Cole, Samantha, Auntie Lula, Addie, Emily Bennett. Molly, Mariana, <laughs> Josefina, Miss Manderley, Felicity, Singing Bird, Josefina, Grand Mary, Samantha, Harriet Davis, Addie, Agnes and Agatha, Kirsten, Jiggy Nye, Pass. <laughs> Parasita. Josefina. Gladys Guilford. Molly. Lars Larson. Kirsten. Marta. Josefina. Mrs. Ford. Samantha. Allison Hargate. Samantha. Magdalena Montoya. Okay, Josefina. <laughs> All right, you did surprisingly well. Really? I was just going on vibe and, you know, general oldness sounding of name. <laughs> well, it served you really well. Um, yeah, you got most of them. Gardner Edwards is Samantha. That's her her hot uncle guard. Um, oh, okay. Annabelle Cole was Felicity. Jiggy Nye was Felicity. That's like the villain in all of the books. That's whose horse she steals, which is such a crazy This is plot. just a girl named Jiggy? It's, a it's an old man. Like an old scary man. If you look at images of him, it's actually oh kind of creepy. Like stuff of nightmares. Um, okay, yeah. I, I I did not. Felicity was not for me. I did not visit this world. 
Allison Hargate is Molly. She's kind of her frenemy. Uh, um, yeah. Agnes and Agatha, Samantha, but you did Wait, really, really well. You're telling me Agnes doesn't go with Kirsten and those little braids. I mean, <laughs> Kind of, it definitely sounds like it could be Nordic, Kirsten adjacent, yeah, Swedish. But um, those are Samantha's. Oh my God, it's Samantha's uncle's wife's sisters. I don't oh, know what okay. that is in relation to Samantha herself. I guess her also her aunts. I don't know. Yeah, what yeah, that be? or like it's like her uncle's sister-in-laws. So they're not really like related to Samantha by they're only related by marriage they're not even like but they're weirdly the same age as her they're very young all right, all right. I'm I you know I'll, I'll take it I'm impressed I feel like I forgot Kirsten existed as I was doing that list and then at the end I realized I had never said Kirsten so <laughs> I think you did really really well on here thank you so congrats on your memory <laughs> yeah definitely yeah definitely mostly guesses but a couple of those <laughs> rang true as as comrades of Molly all right, Laura. Next game. Shall we? Okay, so Shannon, for this game, you gave me a list of your favorite celebrities, and I'm going to pick two. Okay. And you're going to tell me which doll you think they would have and why. And then we're going to discuss if we think that that's the correct answer. Okay. So I'm going to start with Lady Gaga. <laughs> All right. Are any of these dolls Italian? <laughs> Did have any of these dolls been singing jazz? Singing since- jazz since they were a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I've been singing jazz since I was 13 years old. Uh, <laughs> I feel that Gaga would want, ooh, I'm really trying to put myself in like child Stephanie Germanata's mind here. I feel like she would either want Josefina or Samantha because they both had a sort of opulence. And I think represented you know kind of an aesthetic and an era that I think she would find appealing um and we know Gaga has has dabbled in Latin American cultures in potentially problematic ways in the past and so I think that would really call out to her as a young girl too from Josefina's world so yeah I'm gonna go with Josefina I think that that's a great assessment Shannon I think speaking to the way that Gaga annoyingly can sometimes like put on a persona based on like whatever her interest is I feel like she'd be like reading Josefina's books and like only cooking like oh yeah southwestern (laughs) and Mexican food and like over pronouncing Spanish words and like fully immersing herself in the character of Josefina big time I think that that's a, a big mood for her um all right, and then next I'm going to go with Nicole Byer. Ooh. Oh, I love Nicole, and I love her podcast. I feel like she would have rejected this whole American Girl world and would have and would have been sort of outside of it. But if she was going to choose, I kind of feel like she would be a Kit girl. I don't know if Kit counts in this game, but I think that she would have been attracted to Kit because of her kind of spunky attitude and aesthetic and her her kind of I'm trying to think how to how to describe the je ne sais quoi I'm thinking of when it comes to Kit her sort of uh boundary pushing persona and I think that in the same way that Kit spoke to a latent queerness in my young self I feel like Nicole Byer as a very adventurous and and 
boundary breaking comedian would have been attracted to the ways that Kit pushed at the boundary of what an American girl could be in ways that I'm sure were wholly projected upon her and not inherent in the source material whatsoever. Uh, I feel like that's a good answer too. I feel like there's like a couple that Nicole would be good for, but I feel like Nicole is like a motorcycle riding, roller skating, like all around, like try anything gal. And I think that Kit is a good fit for her for sure just a a a boundary breaker if you will and then on a total this I keep thinking I've I've now looked at the list and I am Kit was from the 30s but in my head it feels like Kit should be from like the 60s but there was another 60s girl wasn't there like much later yeah there was Julie who came out I think within the past like 15 years okay there's Julie I think Julie is uh 70s or maybe 70s yeah she was. Oh. and then and then there's <laughs> these are all past my time <laughs> these are past my time too but I was like looking on the website recently and I kind of like reimmersed myself in some of these and now there's one called Melody who mm. uh, was 1960s and she grew up in Detroit and she has like a little Motown vibe to her definitely who I would have if I had a doll today oh melody is cute as fuck yeah she's really cute but i but i saw like on one of those like ag confessions uh instagram posts that i sent to Lindsay was like complaining that like naming the doll melody and having her be involved in like the 1960s motown music scene is just like so on the nose very stereotypical could have like named her literally anything else (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, I think that that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us today, Shannon. And before we go, please let everyone know where they could find you. Oh, gosh. She's a Twitter gal. She is. Um, You know I don't know that anyone needs to find me necessarily, but if they'd like to hear niche content and information about the book publishing industry and or jokes about food, they can follow me at Shannon Kelly 92, uh, a handle I would not choose today because it reveals, of course, that I was born in the year 1992. But anyone listening to that podcast already knows that in abundant detail. So I have nothing to hide. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.